These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave. I'm the host of the show. Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I was in a coma for a month. I woke up, I have a lot of questions, and that's what this podcast is. However, this is not a normal episode of this podcast. And if you heard last week, you know, this is two weeks in a row of non-normal episodes of this podcast. Normally, I will talk to an artist or an activist with a handful of prepared questions and see where we go from there. There have been no new interview subjects the last couple weeks. Frankly, that is because I have been dog shit at booking. What that means is I'm working on getting some more structure in my life. Um, I, I, I don't call myself a lazy person anymore. I don't truly believe that I'm lazy, but I take on a lot. I've got some bad habits Me being a productive artist has been a long journey of fighting against many of those habits. And so, you know, here we are. I think I have something fun this episode and brief. It'll be just a nice little, um, what's maybe like the ginger after the sushi in between the next bite of sushi. Is that how you eat sushi? I might be using the ginger wrong. Anyway, this is a ginger episode. And I thought, since this is December, since a lot of stuff has powered down, my own brain is in a transitional period, and I love a time for reflection. I like taking my birthday to make resolutions. I like making resolutions on New Year's. Um, But... those resolutions have kind of fallen by the wayside. Currently, I'm in my bedroom, and on my bedroom wall, I still have resolutions for 2020 pasted up. Not pasted up, taped up. But obviously, those didn't quite pan out how I hoped they would. And here we are. So I don't know if I'm going to make resolutions this year or not, but I thought I would take some time at the end of 2021 here to reflect on the year Honestly, this show was born during COVID and quarantine, but it was germinating long before that. And so to reflect on the time of quarantine is kind of funny. It's like the show hasn't existed any other time but then. But there have been some coma moments for me during quarantine since the pandemic started that I thought I would share One of the questions I like to ask my guests is, what's your coma? Which is the premise is that we all have these moments. They can be small moments. They can be big moments where before you're one person and after you're another. There are many ways in which quarantine was that for a lot of us. I would be surprised if it wasn't that for everyone. However, I think reentering society We're finding that a lot of people are stuffing down the ways that COVID changed them or resisting that change. That's my belief, at least. However, 
the couple ways that I have changed that I want to present to you were twofold. So truly a couple ways. First, I don't know how, but I just got some confidence. I think I got sick of not having confidence. The things I specifically became confident in were my skills and talents and experience as a comedian. I just was like tired of this. You know, comedians always have this insecurity like, am I really funny? Am I am I not funny? Am I not doing it the right way? And I'll get to that in a second. But for me, it's just like, I've been doing this in some form or another for 19 years. I'm funny to the people who think I'm funny. I'm funny to myself. So let's move on from that. Self, you know, is the is the voice I'm battling in my head to, to have earned this, this coma moment. It also came from observing some online, you know, some of these Zoom events and being involved in spaces where you discover, hey, these skills that I've honed for almost 20 years are actually valuable. You know, not everyone does know how to public speak. Not everyone does know the order of the the the, the order of show that you don't put certain subjects at the end, certain things don't go at top. And so realizing I had those skills would help give me that confidence boost. Related to that, this idea of doing it wrong was a confidence in doing, making my art the way I want to make it. A lot of that came from doing this storytelling show, Local Lives, that I now co-produced and co-host with the Chicago Sun-Times, where I told a story in the way I wanted to. I didn't worry about making it like a club comedy set. And yeah, it was over Zoom, but it was so fulfilling to me. And I just realized I've had this idea of a 15-set open mic comedian, by which I mean, uh, you know, a new comedian who's like, I hit 15 open mics a week. I make sure to do X many sets in blah, 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 blah. The way to do it is to be a hard-hitting New York club comedian. And there, for many reasons, that does not resonate with me has not in a while. And I had been still measuring myself against the barometer of, oh, are you are you working towards punchline density? Are you getting a laugh every 17 seconds or whatever? And I realized that the metaphor I came up with was that of um, like an ambient musician who who for some reason compares himself, I say himself because it's it's me in this in this metaphor, compares himself to club DJs, right? These are both people practicing using similar instruments, practicing in the field of electronic music. But for the ambient musician to be like, oh, God, I just don't know. You know, people aren't dancing to my shit. It's not four on the floor. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Like I love a lot of ambient and ambient adjacent music. If I had a musician telling me that, I'd be like, dude, what are you talking about? I love your shit. Like, please keep making it. And so what I'm trying to say is I see myself as the ambient music of comedians. And uh, that 
feeds right back into my insecurities about not being funny, putting you to sleep, and yet while talking about the heaviest, most, uh, you know, upsetting stuff, death, afterlife, uh, deep spiritual questions, we're talking about all that, and also, uh, yeah, putting you to sleep at the same time. No, I don't really believe that, but, you know, I, I, th- these are the things I've used to empower myself, recognizing that I'm not a club comedian and having the confidence to say, and yet I'm still a comedian. I feel funny. I feel powerful. I feel like I've got stuff to say and ways to say it. So those, those moments have led to part of the reason why booking the show has been more difficult, which is I've started to work on some other projects while I work on this show, while I write my newsletter. Um, and that's the newsletter has been on hiatus for a couple weeks. And I will be keeping that on hiatus for a couple more weeks. But I'll say for those of you who do read the newsletter, Hella Immaculate, if you don't read it, I think you'd love it. If you love this, this me talking to you, kind of exploring ideas, that's what Hella Immaculate is. Go to thisisdavemar.com. There's a form right there where you can sign up for the newsletter. The thing I am going to put out on the newsletter is a list of my favorite music from the year. So I'll have a playlist, but I'll also talk about why I like uh, the tunes and the albums on that playlist. So anyway, the reason why I have put off some of the podcast work, some of the newsletter work, the other projects I've been working on, and I've referenced this on the podcast, is that I have been revisiting my second one-man show, Feed Wolf Ice Cream, which gave rise to This Is Your Afterlife, and redeveloping it. And if you've heard recently, you know that the show has a new title. It's called Literally The Afterlife. That is the title of the show, the one-man show. And it's about at least 40% new material. So it is very much a new show. Some of the questions that I ask on This Is Your Afterlife come from that show. And so the new version, um, literally The Afterlife, incorporates lessons I've got from this show. And the, the premise of literally The Afterlife is very much is is the title it's i'm i'm trying to present you my vision of what the afterlife is what it could be what i think it is what you think it is all under the guise of answering this very common question i get from folks when they find out i was in a coma people like to ask me okay what did you see you know while you were out and so that's the show is answering that question what did I see? Here it is. Th- this is my vision. So in that redevelopment process, I have found some new material, like I said, and I would like to present you one of those pieces of new material right now. This is a, uh, this is a bit, a story I, I call Bud Light Coma Guy, and this was recorded very recently. So you're hearing this maybe as early as Tuesday, the 14th. This was recorded at Sleeping Village, opening for my buddy Carmen Christopher, 
on Sunday night, December 12th. This is my set, uh, opening for Carmen. And it's the stand-up version of a piece that I am developing for Literally the Afterlife. So if you see Literally the Afterlife, which I hope you do at some point, just know that it will include a some version of the bit you're about to hear, but probably in a very different form. So all of this came around, all the reflection, all these moments of of confidence and 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 transformation, accepting what I do and finding ways to do it, redeveloping my my old work into something I am proud of and have a vision for now all comes to this moment here where you get to listen to me do stand-up a couple days ago or perhaps years ago if you're listening to this years into my future at this moment. So yeah, please enjoy. This is a, this is a, this is a comedy set. So I'll, I'll, I'll take a second, allow the transition to happen. And then I'll uh, check back in with you at the end. And that'll be the episode. So here is the, the Bud Light coma guy story. I'm a sober guy. <laughs> Apologies. I, uh, I don't trust me. When someone announces it to you, it's not. It's not a good thing. Uh, listen, I'm as surprised as you guys are that this is what a sober guy looks like. But for me, it just means I spent my whole 20s like actively tanking my life, and now I take all of that energy and put it into forming resentments against strangers. I I had to get sober because I was in a coma. That's that's the big headline. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's how I woke up too, like what the fuck? I was in a coma for a month. It was like, I almost got unplugged. It was crazy. I'm a type one diabetic. I was mismanaging it. I was getting high all the time. Uh, One night I got real sick. And instead of going to the hospital, I smoked weed about it. And I woke up a month later, 40 pounds lighter. And I'm still trying to get back to that post-coma weight. But three years after I got sober, um, I got an audition uh, for a commercial, for a, for a Bud Light commercial. And I feel like I have more of a malt liquor body. So I was a little bit confused. But the concept of this commercial is that this guy, it's this guy's like birthday party and he's got Bud Light at the party. So all his friends are coming out of the woodwork, you know, (laughs) as if beer is ever the reason people come to a party after the age of like 20, like there are good reasons to come to parties if you don't feel like coming. Someone you haven't seen in a while. A a long-lost romantic connection, perhaps. A good recipe is a reason to come to a party. But if you're like, I don't know, man, my my depression's acting up a little bit. I gotta gotta take it easy tonight. And your friend is like, okay, well, have you heard this one, man? We have beer at the party. (laughs) And not just any beer. You know Bud Light? The beer you can walk into every establishment on the way to this party and get? 
yeah, we're going to have some Bud Light. <laughs> and the role that I was supposed to audition for for this commercial, I promise, was coma guy. Because <laughs> everyone's coming out of the woodwork, right? There's an astronaut. There's a guy coming from a coma. That was my thing. When I woke up from my coma, I was like, where's the Bud Light? And so I look at the breakdown for this role, and it says, very real, not cartoony. They were literally like, he has to look like he just woke up. And so I was thinking, okay, I got this in the back. This is the role I was literally dying to play before my roommate found me and called 911. And so I get to the audition, and because of this note about being very real, I get in there, and I do the thing I did when I actually woke up from a coma, which is I had a flat affect. I was like an Easter Island statue, could not move my face much, so I'm in this audition just like... It works better on camera, you know? Uh, Think about your favorite shows, right? Some of the best acting is very subtle. This was too subtle, like anti-acting. So I'm in there, and the guy leading the audition is like, I need you to look a little more sickly. Telling me how to look like I've been in a coma. And he was like, imagine you just woke up from a coma after 10 years. And here's the thing. I'm a bit of a coma snob, okay? (laughs) Sue me. But if you've been in a coma for two or three days, respect, but that's not to me a real coma. (laughs) Similarly, medically induced coma, not a real coma. On the other hand, media would have you believe that every fucking soap opera, every coma is like five to ten years long. The person wakes up and starts fucking everybody on the show right away. That's fake. That's not real. What I'm saying is one month is the bravest amount of time to be in a coma. So I'm like flipping out. I'm also just freaked out about the grand injustice of this whole thing because as a performer I had created this like thoughtful poignant one-man show about my whole experience I'm telling that story I play a coma guy in that show I'm playing a coma guy in this audition only one of those things is gonna get seen by millions of people and it's not the one I poured my heart and soul into so I'm just like furious that like Bud Light is more popular than my comedy, right? And I'm there, and I'm just freaking out. And then the guy tells me, you know, it's been so long. Pretend like you don't know what an iPhone is. This was in 2017, but even a 10-year coma, the math doesn't add up there. For And if you had a Nokia and someone handed you an iPhone, you wouldn't be like, ah, look, the devil, you know, where's the steam engine on it? You use context clues and you figure out what that is, right? So I'm doing all of this work. This was the best acting performance of my life that was not visible on my face to pretend I wasn't furious in this audition. 
right? So I'm suppressing all of that emotion and just giving like mediocre take after mediocre take. The guy dismisses me and I mean, I didn't get a call back. The uh, living the experience and portraying the experience are two different things. Alex Trebek never won Jeopardy, you know? (laughs) Knows the game very well. But then, okay, recently, I started thinking about this commercial again, and I went back and looked it up. I was like, what, how did this thing turn out? Who, who, who played, who was the real coma guy, you know? And I looked it up, and this was filmed in a batch of commercials. And I looked up this director, I looked up the time period, but they only selected one commercial of this batch. And it wasn't the one I auditioned for, which means my commercial never aired, which means more people have still seen my show than this Bud Light commercial. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that's that bit. There you go. That's, uh, (laughs) that's that story. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you've enjoyed this, this chat that I've been chatting at you, to be honest. If you want to chat back at me, please email me. This is Dave Marr at gmail.com. In this reflective time, if you've got any thoughts you've been having, I'm, I'm happy to be a sounding board, especially if they're related to the stuff the show's about, transformations in your life. If they're about the show, if you have feedback on the show, I'll listen. I'll listen to that feedback. I, you can also follow me or talk to me on Instagram or Twitter at this is Dave Marr and definitely sign up for that newsletter. Hello immaculate at this is your If you want more things like the after show you heard last week, this is your after show or this free form sort of semi structured I won't say rambling, but a little little tour tour through the mind of Dave Marr. If you want stuff like this, more experimental audio um, tracks, <laughs> what are we talking about here? If you want more stuff like this, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. My dream is to make my living from the Patreon directly from people who support my work. So I would be very grateful, um, even if you're like, hey, you know, do whatever you want to do on the Patreon. I might, I may not listen, but I'll support. You can also do that. And yeah, thank you for being here with me. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a nice week. We'll be back next week with a new episode of This Is Your Afterlife. A normal one, okay? I know people who listen to my podcast love stuff to be normal. So let's just get back. <laughs> let's get back to normal, right? That's 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 the, the battle cry of the past couple of years. Can we get back to normal? And I'm here to say, yes, we can. And normal is asking some unique, thoughtful artists what they think death will be like. So if that's your idea of normal, please join me again next week. I want to thank my Pigeon Level subscribers on Patreon, Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang. Thank you all. Thanks to you listening right now 
for making it possible for me to connect with people via this podcast. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. If you believe and if you try, you can do anything. You can do miracles, things that seem impossible. You can do miracles.